You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. the 42 cast your ultimate answer to fandom geekiness and everything as always i am your host nathan and we have another great episode lined up for you and this time we're going to do something a little bit different because we're going to talk about a specific topic in genre fiction and by that i mean that we're going to talk about the multiverse which seems to be a concept that's just blowing up uh in just about everything uh nowadays but before we do that let's meet our cast for this week so starting off he's our resident don knots impersonator and that is steven how are you doing steven? <laughs> good how are you thanks for having me <laughs> no problem i thought you might have replied into your don knots voice oh, yeah, well i could do that if you like oh that's great <laughs> i'll do the whole podcast as don knots how about that <laughs> yeah they uh yeah do a don knots movie about the multiverse yeah <laughs> all the don knots roles in a movie together it's kind of like uh, right mr limpet meets barney fife apple meets... dumpling gang yeah let's do that <laughs> all right we could do that <laughs> This is this is great. Like, Opie, why are you a fish? <laughs> when you learn somebody that you've known for a while, like just has a skill you didn't know about before, and it's just like, oh man, this is awesome. You know, we all have hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> so I know it hasn't. There hasn't been a lot of time since you were on the show before, uh, Stephen. But anything new and exciting going on for you? Well, I, I, I seem to have woken up in the uh, fortress of solitude because it's uh, a frozen tundra outside. Thanks, yeah. uh, but. Um, uh, I may be experiencing that myself since yeah. <laughs> we don't live that far away from each other. <laughs> yeah, and then and there's holidays coming up and things like that. So, uh, you know, getting ready for those sorts of things. Um, apart from that, just kind of chilling, getting ready for shows. Yeah, yeah you're ready chilling. For her shows. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're all chilling right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's 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 good for you to. Uh, it's good to have you back on the show. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. All right. Next up, she is our resident MCU expert, and that is Allie. How are you doing, Allie? I'm doing okay. That's I am good. less chilling than everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> and and what did you say the temperature was in Florida where you are? Uh right here now it's 63. Oh. Which is not cold to you guys. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's shorts weather. <laughs> yeah, like most people here probably keep their homes about that temperature. People come in and be like, you're so hot. I keep my home at 70. That's my concession to the winter. I actually want it warmer. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to waste the electricity on, on getting it hotter. So, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, what's been going on for you uh, since the last time you were on the show? Uh, I am currently getting ready to relaunch my patreon after having it closed for most of 2022 while i was dealing with some family health stuff so uh i am kind of taking i took the time 
while I was off for family reasons to reassess what I was doing and what was working best and what wasn't working as well. And so I'm excited to be able to relaunch some stuff. I'm going to offer a tier that has monthly prompts for writers. Although if you do other creatives, you might be inspired by it as well. And I'll be responding to those prompts too. So I'll get to share some more of my writing as part of it. So I'm excited about that. And that, like, that's the main thing that I'm doing right now is just like making sure that everything's right as I uh, send out that information and scheduling, you know, tweets and everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. Twitter still does exist. It does still <laughs> exist. It's still there. It has not imploded. What day of the week is it? <laughs> You'll be able to. It'll be like counting the rings on the tree. You can tell like when a 42 cast episode happens based on our references to Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's really cool. Uh, that I'm, I'm uh, happy for you and hope that, uh, you know, things go really well with your Patreon. Uh, me too. All right. Let's get to have you back on the show, Allie. I would be here. All right. And finally, he is an actor and teacher and uh, someone I met through the American Sci-Fi and Fantasy Media Group at Dragon Con. And that is Tom. How are you doing, Tom? Pretty good. I'm actually, I do act from time to time, very rarely, but I'm more of a writer. Okay. Oh, okay. See, I, I'm learning something new all the time. I knew you had an IMDb profile before I met you. I so. do, but <laughs> I... I I'm trying to think if I have some of my professional writing credits aren't up there. Thank you, Family Channel. Mm. But I got paid. That's the important thing. <laughs> I probably do have more acting and producing credits than writing. Okay. No, I I will I will note that for the future. But uh, uh, so what's been going on for you, Tom? Well, just to satisfy any curiosity, it's 73 in West Palm Beach. <laughs> I'm surprised there's a 10 degree difference between Orlando and West Palm, considering it's only about two and a half hours, 180 some miles. Yeah. Um, I turned in my grades Sunday. Hmm. So I taught 17 credits, eight classes across three departments, and 156 students. And I never plan to do that again. Oh my God. <laughs> that sounds like a lot. It was nuts. And I'm a sap, so I gave students extra time to finish assignments. I should just say no. That's why they call it a deadline. Right. First word, dead. Uh, <laughs> I did, however, turn my uh, Writers Guild nomination ballot for TV shows mm. yesterday. The deadline is next Monday. I figured there was a year I actually forgot to do it, so I just got to vote on the finalists. But this year I did it early because there was a lot of good TV this year. Can't say the same about films. <laughs> a lot of not yeah. great films. Yeah, no. I mean, there's some, though. Yeah, but they're going to be scrounging to get... If if they do 10 Best Picture nominees again, and I have a feeling they won't, because it's... I think last year's one of the first year is the first year they had 10. Mm. Because they have this whole ranked choice voting system and crazy rules, so it can be anywhere between 5 and 10. Mm. But uh, I think we're, we're in... We're in line for another lackluster crop of oscar best picture nominees yeah i i did raise my eyebrows a little bit seeing that marvel submitted thor love and thunder for a contender <laughs> for best picture and i was like what because <laughs> why not <laughs> i mean yeah i guess it's why not but i mean at the same time i was like well you're going for the long shot <laughs> it didn't even make my top three superhero movies for the year. 
<laughs> All right. But no, it's good to have you back on the show, Tom. Thanks for having me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know what time it is now. It's time for our five-minute controversy. And for those of you just joining the show, this is something we do before we talk about our topic. It helps us loosen up a little bit and also gives you some insight into how we feel about something that's going through the geekosphere right now. And... Uh, so today, or at least today is when I saw it, uh, apparently the ruling was made on Tuesday, uh, which is two days before we recorded this, uh, a ruling was made uh, in a case where uh, a couple of people had sued Universal Studios because they had shown a trailer featuring uh, Anna de Armas uh, in a movie, uh, but then they had cut her from the film by the time it had uh, it actually was on screen. And so... Um, Basically, the ruling says that movie studios are not able to mislead the public uh, with their trailers and therefore cannot put anything in the trailers that isn't actually in the movie. Now, this is kind of interesting because it has some implications because sometimes, uh, you know, this is deliberate. Sometimes it's because of something where just a change happens in editing between when the trailers come out and when... Uh, the movie comes out and the one that i just thought about or a friend of mine sort of pointed out to me and we talked about a little bit was that sometimes some footage is filmed just for the trailers and is always intended to be just for the trailer um and so it's like is that not allowed anymore because you know again it just it doesn't it's really complicated it seems and how this is going to affect things so i'm just kind of curious about everybody's just you know bullet point thoughts on this do you think that this is a good thing or do you think that this is going to be you know kind of a bad thing overall and sort of the ramifications that it has for how trailers need to be made um so uh let's start with you with uh, on this one ali i understand fan frustrations when something is in the trailer that you would like to see in the context of the film suing over it is just silly <laughs> and I I kind of think it's a bad idea because part of what part of the reason of the trailer, it's supposed to get you hyped. I, I did read, you know, the judge's ruling was talking about how trailers are inherently commercial. And that's accurate. You know, it is it is a commercial for the film. And so if you go too far away, you are not delivering on the promise. But at the same time, like trailers are kind of an art form and it's something that's needs to be allowed to be what it is. And so, I mean, like I kind of see both sides of this, but on the whole, I kind of think it's ridiculous and I am perfectly fine with trailers being as misleading as they currently are, Marvel. And, <laughs> and it's... <laughs> It's just fine. It's fine. I don't mind. I don't mind myself. <laughs> okay. Um, Tom, what do you think? Um, I was a paralegal in the Navy. Uh, so the, the, the core legal issue is that while movies are protected speech in the First Amendment, commercials are not protected speech advertising is not protected speech and so if you were calling a trailer a commercial for a movie which it really is you know it, it's it's very frivolous it's very frivolous if i were it, it you know the real remedy should be give them back their money right. <laughs> i mean and the court costs it's the court costs are going to be outrageous considering 
you know, how much did you pay for this? Okay, we'll give you back your three bucks for your uh, for your your video your streaming rental of it. But yeah, it's. I mean, what's interesting is um, the 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 uh, defense from the studios was, well, what are you going to do? Are, are people going to be able to sue if the movie's terrible? <laughs> it's like we wish we could, but you're covered because <laughs> they are protected speech. And it's fascinating. I talk about this in my in my film appreciation course course at uh, my university. Movies were not always protected speech. You know, our wonderful SCOTUS has a habit of making a bad ruling or a good ruling and then reversing it for either the right reasons or for bad reasons. But that was that was a case from early 20th century. Uh, there was a test, I think it was Mutual versus Ohio. And it, basically, the uh, it was about boxing films. And there were there were laws against boxing films, which some people... Uh, suspected had more than a whiff of racism because a lot of boxers tended to be not non-white and the SCOTUS ruled that film was not protected speech and then fast forward to the 50s it was overturned in another ruling so yeah the problem is and responding to Ali America land of the free home of the litigious anybody can (laughs) sue anybody can sue anybody else for anything you can't always win but you can sue and these days people sue for stupid stuff so yeah i just wish you almost it reeks of the whole toxic fandom things and that's a whole mm-hmm. other discussion which has reared its ugly head because of dc studios and blah 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 certain people have selective amnesia about what happened when he was defended by toxic fans but hey so yeah, I'm like, don't we have better things to talk about? Uh, people, better things to take go to court for, you know, like all these great books that are being banned from school library because somebody has their bonnet in the twist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. DC does provide us with a disproportionate number of controversies, but we're not going <laughs> there today. <laughs> um, St- Stephen, what do you think about this? Um. It, 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 I'm I'm not a lawyer, but I played one. Um, and 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 sidestepping the whole lawsuit thing for a second because that's just a labyrinth, and I, I tend to agree with with the frivolity of it. But I I think I I can I can with regard to this particular case and the whole Ana de Armas being in a trailer, not being in the film. I think I can I can understand not wanting to allow students to do sort of a bait and switch if you will of, of saying mm-hmm. something's in a movie when it's not and I, I i can agree with that to an extent however and i think ali brought up a good point with marvel and i think star trek has done this too where they will show things in trailers in order to quell spoilers or and so you know it's again is is it's not in the film but that's a different intent that's not a bait and switch that's actually serving Mm -hmm. the audience's expectations of the film and so i think ultimately it's going to be a very difficult line to hoe to you know what i mean i think it's going to be a very difficult needle for legally to thread i think i see the intent they're trying to go with I just don't know how they're going to be. Is it going to be case by case? If every you know, if somebody doesn't like a trailer, they're going to sue. It just seems like a labyrinth, and I, 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 I get where you're going. I just don't think it's. A, I, I don't. I don't see how where I don't see this ending well. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that you are kind of close to where I'm coming from on this one, Stephen, because it's like, yeah, as far as the legalities of it, <clears throat> I understand exactly what they're arguing and why they're arguing. My problem is that, you know, you can't rule on intent or, I mean, I think they try to sometimes, but like, you know, because to me, this was an accident, right? This was not an intentional thing where they were trying to bait and switch people by saying, oh, look at this actress that's going to be in this movie. And, oh, we took her away. You know, like that wasn't why they had totally intended to have her until for whatever reason in editing, she was removed. Mm -hmm. It happens all the time. You know, Anna Paquin was removed from Day X-Men Days of Future Past. You could get the director's cut that has her back in it. But like, you know, the version shown in theaters did not have her. So, um, you know, and so to me, it's like because it was not malicious intent, like in this specific case, like it shouldn't even be a consideration. But they're trying to create an, an umbrella of all cases you cannot show something in a movie or in a trailer that is not in the movie. And I think that's where the real problem is, because um you mentioned Marvel, and I think that is the perfect example of when it's done deliberately, but not as a bait and switch, but because of the fact that they don't want people to piece together the movie through the scenes, which is what people try to do with Marvel trailers. And Kevin Feige, being very canny, has, has seen that and has said, like, oh, I'm going to put the Hulk running with everybody in Wakanda, you know, so that people are trying to, you know, it was so funny watching the lead up to Infinity War and everybody was trying to put the clips into sequence and we're trying to, like, figure out what happens when and what location and everything. And it was like, you know, and I laugh. I laugh now that I know that, like, they just put stuff in there that's, like, totally not there. Um yeah. And I think that's a good thing. Right. But I don't know that there's any way to construct a legal framework around that to say that that should be protected, you know, because again, yeah. it's a commercial interest thing. And so that's one of the problems. It's like the law, I think, is screwing us over of something that I think is actually good. But at the same time, I don't know how to protect it. So, um, you know, that's that is what it is. So I'm, I'm very disappointed by this ruling, but I totally understand why it's well, happened. Yeah. Um, well, my understanding yeah. was basically the judge wouldn't allow the suit to be dismissed so it's going to move forward that i think there, there will be more to come which again don't we have more serious things to think about <laughs> what's interesting uh, is i will laugh if this goes all the way to the supreme court <laughs> i think that they would respectfully decline to, we don't care um what's interesting though is the first teaser trailer for spider-man one had him swinging between the World Trade Center mm. towers. And like a dummy, I didn't download it. And I thought, oh, I'll just grab that later. 9-11 happened. They pulled that thing down. Mm -hmm. So you could make a case saying, hey, if you once you know that this situation is not in the final movie, pull the trailers showing it. That could be a, a way to cover themselves if... But I can't, it, it's so weird and frivolous. <laughs> As yeah. there's a lot of stuff in Hollywood. <laughs> well, and beyond. Uh, but... I'm still stunned that people saw that movie thinking Ana Diarmas was in it and they're going to be disappointed if she wasn't. Like, <laughs> yeah. Is there a reason to see that movie? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. But at least we've come to the end of the five minute controversy. So, you know. <laughs> And this one we did keep kind of down. I think it is a little yep. over five minutes, but not like how they sometimes get. So, <laughs> all right. But um, 
Yeah, so uh, we are going to talk about the multiverse in a minute, but first we're going to pause for a promo from another fine podcast. Hey, hey, we're Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. Almost 12 years old. Davy Jones was it for me. <laughs> I was having problems dancing and tambourining. I got overzealous <laughs> and overly excited. <laughs> Like we've had our own little version of Monkey Mania 50 years later, which is just crazy. Be sure to like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and monkeyingaround.com. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds where it's the same year and you're the same person, but everything else is different? And what if you can't find your way home? And we're back. And like we mentioned at the top of the show, we are talking about the multiverse, um, which has been a concept floating around in sci-fi for decades. Uh, but it's something that at least I didn't encounter outside of prose very much until recent years, where it seems like now a lot of movies and TV shows are taking up the idea of the multiverse and incorporating it into their storylines. Uh, very famously, Everything Everywhere All at Once uh, was a movie that came out recently. Um, I mean, recently within, you know, a year uh, <laughs> that had, uh, you know, that utilized that concept uh, at the core, uh, you know, of the film. Marvel has been going very uh, strongly into the multiverse lately. Uh, DC um, in its in its adaptation properties, I should say, both Marvel and DC and comics have had the multiverse since the 60s. Um but uh, but um, DC's TV shows uh, have also been utilizing the multiverse quite a bit. And so, you know, it's it's getting out there into pop culture. There are a lot of examples, uh, you know, of it. And so first, I want to go around and talk to everybody just about why is the multiverse a concept that fascinates you? Like what draws you to the multiverse idea? Um, so let's start with you on that one, uh, Tom. Uh, it's a fascinating concept because I, I, I have a sci-fi playlist that I walk my dog with and great uh, genre show sliders. Hmm. What if there was another earth with a version of you and everything was the same except for one small detail. And so they got like four or five seasons out of that concept. And, you know, uh, it's you know started strong and then you know outlived its welcome far too long, but the whole you know when DC kind of introduced the the concept in comics, it was a way to explain why that there were there were Silver Age versions of Golden Age characters with the same name and similar powers but different costumes, diff completely different origins, and it was an elegant solution. Of course, it got way out of hand so for their 50th anniversary they decided hey we're going to destroy our multiverse and then introduce a new universe and of course 
you know, that lasted for not long. And they decided, oh, well, we don't have infinite Earths. We just have 52 Earths. It's like, you guys are Nimrods. Uh, and even <laughs> yeah. when they were- DC's just... never been good at long-term thinking. It's not a oh, new thing. Oh my gosh, it just gets nuts. <laughs> and so I, I think that, um, I mean, face it, sometimes it's used really well. The first, uh, the, the animated Spider-Man film, Into the Multiverse, I uh, saw the trailer again for Across the Multiverse, which is part two of the trilogy. Um, sometimes it's used really clumsily. I would argue Doctor Strange 2 did not handle it well. Um, and Crisis was... The the the, the Arrowverse version of Crisis was not all good. All right, we're going to talk about specific instances later. Okay, so but <laughs> right now, let's keep it on the just the concept the general, and like what really yeah, fascinates so I think, Yeah. I really loved everything everywhere all at once because it kind of used it as like a really cool indie film idea. And I've, I've loved Michelle Yeoh since Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, I hope uh, uh, Kihai Kwan wins best supporting because that is the, the picture of him with Harrison Ford reuniting at D 23 is like the best, most heartwarming Hollywood story of the year. And um so I think too many times it's being it's starting to get a little overused and becoming kind of trite and like a poor excuse to explain away inconsistencies or bad continuity. So oh, it's just on another planet or another version of the, it's like uh, get over yourself. But um but the whole idea there's a really cool film I just saw recently with Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, directed by, um, oh, shoot, it's uh, Denis Villeneuve, who's awesome. But it's basically about a guy who discovers he has a doppelganger. And he's a college professor, discovers he has a doppelganger who's an actor, and then they start messing with each other's lives. And it takes some really interesting dark twists. Uh, I'll look up the name of it. I'm, it's, it escapes me for the moment. But that whole idea of doppelganger, ghostly double, it's, you know, it's, it's a great great one for science fiction fantasy uh charles williams who was a contemporary of c.s lewis and J.R.R. tolkien wrote a book called descent into hell and that was one of the main plot devices in it that people had doppelgangers hmm. uh, and then i had one i was talking to one of my former students and she thought doppelganger was just a facebook social media term it's like no it's a real german word <laughs> read a book <laughs> oh my god pick up a dictionary wow um, okay yeah i'll stop <laughs> <laughs> all right Stephen. what do you like about the multiverse well from an audience standpoint i think part of the appeal of a multiverse is you know we're all we're all beings we all make decisions all day in all in our lives we have these patterns that we follow you know go to work whatever you know these these patterns of behavior that we're into um the certain routines and and the idea of a multiverse that we can um, there might be a possibility to to break the boundaries and 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 constrictions of of those decisions and those patterns um, in a way without totally losing ourselves where we are now. I think from an audience standpoint, there's some appeal to that. That sort of whole what if what if something were different? How different would everything else be? And to be able to you know take those sort of mind experiments along along those those pathways, I think there's appeal there. Um, for writers, I think there's a it's appealing because you can uh, 
write your, if you've written yourself into a corner, it's an easy way to write yourself out <laughs> um, in certain instances. But there's also some, ex there, there can be some interesting character exploration by changing little aspects of characters and seeing where they go without making the changes permanent. Um, so th there's some appeal with, for both actors and writers, I think, to explore um, multiverse stories. Um, and I, I think that's that might be some of the appeal of why we see so much of this. Okay. And Allie? I agree entirely with Stephen. I think it's a, just so much based on um, the ability to explore. And you can not only explore different characterizations of the same character, but also different uh, outcomes of events or settings um you know what is this care not just like what is this character like in this different setting but what does this choice do to the world um so i think that's one of the things that's that's very appealing especially as a writer or as a fan um getting to experience that i you know that's why one of my favorite marvel properties is what if because i like taking those looks into the multiverse to see well what what if this would happen differently um so i really enjoy all of that kind of stuff but for me the multiverse also ties in with time travel uh and i am a sucker for time travel <laughs> so uh the whole you know different decisions cause different branches and that's how you get the multiverse is you know tied up with time travel for me so there's several different um sci-fi elements that we talk about like doppelgangers and things like that that all sort of tie in together um for in at least in my mind and so all of them are about an exploration of who the character is um at their core uh because whenever you have those different choices yeah, little things might be different, but maybe the main thing isn't, you know, they're still going to be driven in a specific way, you know, like when you have the characters flip and they're suddenly villains, there's usually still something in the character that is recognizable as that character. It's just been corrupted or molded in a different way to make them villainous rather than heroic. And some of like that exploration is just really interesting as a human being getting to to watch yeah i i'm i'm kind of in a similar place i as someone who lives in a constant state of replaying the events in my life and like you know thinking about what would happen like if things went differently or whatnot it's like it's kind of like oh yeah. like this is like a concept that that feeds into that you know sort of thing and sort of liking the idea of you know what what can you what can happen you know based on just the smallest changes in you know what did actually happen and how would that spiral out um like ali mentioned uh you can get into this with time travel also i do want us to focus a little more on other versions of the multiverse not say we can't mention mm -hmm. time travel versions just because i plan on doing a time travel episode also um so we can you know we can talk about that there uh more so um but um but yeah that is one of the things that i wanted to talk about um also though was like that there are different versions of the multiverse and what people mean by that um but uh but yeah specifically talking about what if uh which uh ali brought up one of the things i like about that is because 
And one of the reasons why I like how Marvel does What If as opposed to like how DC does Elseworlds is that Elseworlds is like you change so many things all at once. Mm -hmm. What Marvel always did with What If is we change one thing mm -hmm. because that's almost like an experiment, right? You control everything else and you just have one variable. And so you can really get into character with that because mm -hmm. the outcome of this event changed. How do the characters respond to that change? And I prefer that in a lot of ways to the sort of like, what if Batman actually existed in pirate times? Well, okay. I mean, that's fun, <laughs> but it's not really, <laughs> you have to change so many things to make that yeah. happen, that it's kind of like. I mean, I am going to read that too. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, like, so, so talking about the multiverse, you know, Ali brought up time travel and the idea of you go back in time. You change something, you go back to the present, you have like a different version of things. There's a sort of intersection of those concepts where it says like the way to fix, the, you know, because there's the whole grandfather paradox problem mm -hmm. where some versions of time travel say when you go back in time and change something, you actually create a different reality. So your past is fine because it's on this this other reality where everything still happened the same way that you remember. But now you're living in this other reality that you've generated by changing events, uh, which is sort of like the link between time travel and the multiverse. Mm -hmm. Sort um, of the Star Trek way. Right, exactly. Yes. Star Trek has utilized that. Marvel, a lot of times, although it's been inconsistent and it's, you know, in over its many decades of publishing, a lot of times Marvel uses that version of time mm -hmm. travel um where you know the idea is oh we went back in time we changed this you know the senator doesn't die but that there's that reality still exists somewhere and it can still intersect with ours mm -hmm. um the uh, uh one that i that i just recently saw like a like a documentary that was talking about multiverse theory and everything talked about that i had never considered before is the idea that since the universe is infinite that there could be other parts of the universe that are exactly like our galaxy with an earth and everything else that's just slightly different because you know how things formed or whatever but like it's like oh i never considered like it would just be a spatial thing before yeah. i always thought about it you know being either time travel like ali was talking about or um like the idea that every decision you make always just you know generates new realities that you know sprout sprout off but well, that was an interesting version um and and yeah, and that's the other version that I was going to mention, the idea of on the quantum level, every time there's a decision made, both decisions or, you know, depending on how many outcomes there are, like all outcomes happen and there's a universe for each of them. Sliding doors. Does Is anyone aware of any other versions of the multiverse? I, I was going to say Stargate handles it very interesting. Like the, they they handle three different versions. They handle time travel, alternate universes and parallel dimensions and they refer to them all very separately so time travel they do both closed loops and you can change the past yeah, it's don't very get me started confusing. on that it gets me very <laughs> yeah, angry like we're not going to go down that one <laughs> it's very inconsistent that's all that i'm going to say about it <laughs> yes. um then they have this uh the uh mirror that can go to an alternate reality and so they've got several uh episodes where they visit an alternate reality where someone didn't make the choice that they made that wound them up at Stargate Command kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they also have parallel dimensions where there's other creatures that exist in our world, but we just can't see them. We're not on the same level as them. <laughs> and right. so it's it's one of those things that like the more you think about the different levels 
the more confusing it gets because just how complicated everything mm -hmm. gets. So um, it's one of those things about vocabulary is super important. And so even though Stargate is not necessarily consistent with their time travel, they are consistent with their vocabulary right. and they don't ever refer to a alternate universe as a parallel universe or something like that. They, they're really specific with it. And um, so that was just the thing that I was just like, oh, yeah, that's a that's a really specific thing that you have to get into when talking about multiversal stuff is what the terminology is. Yeah, there theirs is just travel with that mirror. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of people are very inconsistent with alternate dimensions and parallel universes. Yeah. So I want to be very specific that I'm talking about parallel universes here when I talk about this. I'm not talking about other dimensions of existence that have different physical laws than the ones we have. I'm talking about it's a universe with the same physical laws as ours, but the events within that universe mm -hmm. are different. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about the multiverse. Um, yeah. And, and when I, you know, as a kid, when I read what if I never really even considered it as sort of a, a, a multiverse thing, I just thought of it as a writing exercise by the writers. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, and yeah. I was just having fun with it. And I think one of the earliest things I remember reading the explicitly mentioned, uh, a, a multiverse was Larry Niven's short story, all the myriad ways, which is, mm -hmm. you know, for the characters, every decision they make another universe path another universe pops open where every possible decision is made and so it's just continually splintering as people are making decisions and that that concept just kind of it it did kind of grab me in a bit because it you know and it also appealed to a bit of like not just the you know being locked in by your decisions or being bound by your decisions but also the the thought of um that events that become very profound in your life things like 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 um bigger life events you know marriage birth death divorce those sorts of things that seem very permanent to us in a multiverse setting maybe aren't so much mm. and there are still possibilities from those and i think that's that I, I i found that very appealing yeah the the earliest example i'm familiar with uh is a writer named h beam piper uh he wrote uh, short stories that are all part of what he called paratime and um, he also wrote a novel called Lord Calvin of Otherwin, which is actually the first thing I read. I went back and read the short stories after I read the novel. Um, but uh, he was writing in the late 50s, early 60s. And his version is a little bit different. I mean, it's still the idea of these realities are created by people making different decisions. But the reason why is weird. It's the idea, you know, again, remember, this is the 60s. The idea is that while you sleep, your consciousness is in the astral plane. And in the astral plane, there are no different realities. So all your different versions of yourself sort of like count, you know, intermingle. And also time doesn't exist in the astral plane. So what happens is you get sort of filtered through like notions of the outcome, like bad outcomes that your alternate selves experienced in their timelines. And so when you go to a particular location and you get a bad feeling about going right and you decide to go left, that's because you're remembering the bad out, you know, subconsciously remembering the bad outcome, your alternate self who went, you know, right did. So you're going to go left. And it was sort of, you know, weird, you know, sort of, you know, hippie transcendental, you know, sort of way of, of, creating a reason why all these different choices are happening and why there's these different realities. And if you think about it too hard, it kind of breaks down, but 
it's still like kind of an interesting thing just because it was a different way of explaining it than i had ever you know seen before um but uh but yeah i i, I mean his stories were good i just found that reasoning behind why the multiverse exists to be a little uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> well, it, using that kind of reasoning, Robert Frost is one of the first people because two roads diverged in the mm. yellow wood, and sorry, I could not travel both. Um, the the Back to the Future one's ending always bothered me because I grew up reading Silver Age DC comic books, and according to their rules, pre crisis, you cannot change the past, and mm. so when Marty changes the past and gets back to a new future that i'm like no <laughs> but starlog published a really cool essay called the other marty mcfly picking mm. it apart uh card d'angelo who's one of the junior editors back then was the one who championed that article and what's funny is that was the basis for back to the future too is Biff steals the time machine and creates his own reality. And then because everybody's head hurt by the end of that movie, it's like, let's go back to the to the West and have a have a you know good old-fashioned time. Yeah. But yeah. um Gwyneth Paltrow's movie Sliding Doors is one where she's yeah. got two different realities, which I kind of like the more self-contained ones. Those tend to be more provocative and quote unquote realistic. Um <laughs> But some of the uh, and Star Trek's rules have always been interesting because you have the Guardian of Forever, uh, who allow you know McCoy changes something and then changes their future so that the ship's not there. Got one of the time travel things, and then fast forward to now we've got the parallel universes. We've got Q allowing people or specifically Picard to relive that decision he made as a young officer and completely changing the trajectory of his life. And it's his gift to Jean-Luc. And then of course they brought back the guardian in discovery. So, but they used the guardian and used the mirror universe at the same time. It's like, let's compile all of our great, you know? So I think one of the, one of the problems is it often becomes whatever the writers wanted to be for whatever point in time for the story they want to tell. And one of the cool things about both versions of Quantum Leap, since it's really a continue, the new series is a continuation, is the fact that in the original series, they interviews, they introduced the evil leapers near the end. And in the new one, we're not sure what's going on, but there's an episode where somebody runs into Ben and says, stop following me. And we're like, what? And it's a nice little tease. And now that they have a second season pickup, we know that they're probably going to explore that mythology more. But I think people are fascinated because, you know, what if I had gone, what if I had not married that person? What if I had taken that job? I mean, there's infinite possibilities. I agree with you about the Elseworlds versus the what ifs, though, especially the class, the first volume of what ifs almost mm -hmm. always had a downer ending. Not always, but... I wish the television series hadn't quite followed that same trajectory because for me, the ones that were more light and fun, you know, because, you know, Hey, we could, what if, and it's going to end badly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like putting your characters under extreme circumstances. I mean, that to me, it's like, what if lets you do the things you can't do in the major? Like, because it's like you're not oh, going to yeah. kill off characters and do like, except very yeah. rarely, you know, do you do that? And so it's like, what if lets you sort of like have you know take the training wheels off and say like, let's make this story go in whatever direction we want it to, and put these characters under extreme circumstances and see how they respond to that. So I'm I'm fine with more often than not for them to be downbeat endings because I feel like that lets them do that test, you know, putting them under extreme circumstances and whatnot, knowing knowing it's safe because the core characters still exist, you know, and they're, you know, mostly happy lives. Yes, but I'm not gonna rewatch them over and over and over and over. <laughs> Seriously. Oh man, I reread What If so many times. Like I had so many of those issues. I that was one of the main ones I would go to back issue bins for. And it was always great because they weren't the high priced ones. They were always like in the fifty cent and dollar bins, where it was just like, oh, take this issue, this issue, and you didn't have to get a run because they were all standalone or mostly. Yeah. Um. So it was it was a great one to collect. Um. But uh. But yeah. So let's talk about sort of our favorite. You know, pick one example of the multiverse again like like i say i I would prefer to stay away from time travel examples because we're gonna have a separate time travel episode but pick one that that we can then all talk about if we've if we've read or or watched it ourselves so um uh let's start with you on this one steven oh my um one that i really liked um I, 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 I may have a disagreement with Tom on one uh, because I kind of, and I'm not a huge Arrowverse fan mm. for a lot of, I, I like it. Okay. My, my thing with Arrowverse is, is that their heart's in the right place. They have an enormous respect for the source material. I felt like the scripts always felt rushed and they could probably use a little more polish um, that said, I kind of liked what they did with crisis. I didn't like all the n- nuances of all the script, but I liked the idea of it because to me it was, it was the idea that everything exists, everything, everything is canon and it's all just out there someplace. And you can kind of choose if you have a good story idea for why something should intersect, then do it. Otherwise it doesn't. And it lives on its own. And to me, that was that's almost kind of essential if you're going to really tell a multiverse story, because it's so easy to get lost in all of the the weeds and the minutia and all the different pathways that something can take. And you need something to focus on. So if you have something, a reason to focus on this other universe out here somewhere, have it connect for as long as you need it to connect and then let them both go on their own path, that seems to work pretty well. And that's one thing that the, that crisis event did was it had it had the intersections for just as long as it needed them didn't really belabor the point and then dropped them mostly horribly but still dropped them <laughs> they <laughs> killed the, they killed off a lot of universes but still and but they killed off universes that they weren't going to need anymore you know nobody's mm-hmm. nobody's really going to go back to adam west's batman <laughs> universe anymore so you could probably get rid of that even though it was a little sad but it was also a little funny um and I, that worked for me more than didn't, mostly because of that. It seemed like a story reason that they were going in and doing things um, and reasons why they were connecting a little bit of fan service. And that was kind of fun. But mm-hmm. um, but they, but it seemed to have it, it seemed to have a, a, a reason for being more than just 
uh, an excuse to kind of get out of jail free or, or you know, uh, reverse something that we shouldn't have done in the first place. As someone who's been following the Arrowverse since the, basically I came in the year after it started, but I caught up with the first season of Arrow, um, is that, I mean, so to me, Crisis, the problem was it was a decision to do it based solely on the fact that they had two properties that had started at other networks, but and so therefore had been in other universes but now we're all on the cw because supergirl's first season was on cbs but then with the second yep. season it was on yeah. the cw and black lightning even though it started on the cw had been developed at fox so when they right. brought it into the cw they also had it on a separate universe because they went with the scripts they had already developed and so they were like oh we got to merge those in with these other characters that were interconnected you know arrow and flash and legends of tomorrow we want them all to live in the same universe together so to me it was a very commercial decision, you know, to well, that, do this. That, that, that's and, the part that didn't work as well for me because, yeah, that, yeah. that's yeah, – but but the parts that did work was when they brought in you know, uh, Michael Keaton's Batman universe and – they brought in. Um, oh, there was definitely the, some the fun birds, fan service. The Birds of Prey stuff, but it was but it was just there for a while. They needed it and then dropped it. You know, right. the, 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 or um, John Wesley ships. The John Wesley ship flash was 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 uh, so much fun to watch. Um, oh, it was Kevin, Kevin Conroy's, Conroy's Batman, Batman which was, was the great. one that did it for yes. me. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> and the fact that they stuck the landing two on. That is where that character would have wound up as yeah. the bitter, hateful, yeah. like, you know, guy that's sitting. I was like, yes, yes. Yeah. Even though he's beloved, like, that is where that guy would have ended up. So that was the uh, stuff they got right. And mm -hmm. it, it was very fun to watch them do that well, um, yeah. because I think they've done a lot of, like I say, I think a lot of the Arrowverse stuff seemed rushed. So it, it, it felt like. It, they had a they had an idea of where they wanted to take those characters even for a moment and they had the courage to do it and they did it fairly well yeah i mean but the, the other thing that i wanted to say about crisis was that but then i felt like they didn't stick the landing because after going through this whole rigmarole of saying we've merged everything back together in the last like two minutes of it <laughs> they're like oh but actually there's all these other universes too and i'm like wait well, a minute, the whole point was to merge everything into one for, and for, then you yeah, said like oh yeah. no those all exist too and i'm like what <laughs> which which i kind that kind of get because then you know they do have these other shows that are still ongoing at least at that time so you can't really like merge those in i get that plus um to say oh we're going to merge it all into one except we're not going to leave these other ones on, that's still so very dc isn't it <laughs> well it is it is very <laughs> yes. dc but i'm just saying like they oh, didn't need fine. to acknowledge the existence of like the hbo max shows or the <laughs> movies because to me it was like you're just saying everything that the arrowverse intersects with merged into one and you could have just left it at that and not like but anyway yeah i, but I, like they I didn't appreciated the that they had fun with it if that was what they were going to do at least they had some fun with it yeah and I, I do like the idea that for me that the dc films where i always hoped they would take them and maybe james gunn will will figure out and get something going with you know with the this new direction but i always thought that like the dc did multiverse stuff probably better than Marvel. And in the film universe, that seemed like it would lend itself better than, say, a Marvel 
a Marvel Cinematic Universe would, that you could have a standalone Joker film and several Batman films, and they're all in, and it doesn't really matter because they're all just separate universes. And if you have an idea that it should merge, well, then write that up and let's see if that's a movie, but then, and then have it happen for that time and then let it go. That seems like it's very much in DC's wheelhouse. Yeah, everything that's been said so far is that Joker and the Batman will remain as separate universes from the movies that James Gunn is working on. And James Gunn said even with the stuff he's doing, he's planning on doing some Elseworlds type movies also within that framework. So we'll see where he goes with it. But yeah, yeah. it seems like that's DC properties lend themselves well to that. I'd like to see them embrace that, but do it well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not worry about having to connect everything. Whereas Marvel is Marvel's connects everything and they do it very well, but let them do that. I have been yeah. a strong advocate of the idea of Marvel doing just that, of now that you're going into the multiverse to just allow yourself to do properties that are like, this is a particular director's take on this character and it doesn't have to merge in with everything else. I mean, you can just sort of hand wave it and say it's part of the multiverse and it never has to merge in mm-hmm. with any of the other movies or shows or whatever that you're doing with. And Not this is just a... right. right. Exactly. And as long as you label it, that's perfectly fine yeah. in my yeah. mind. And to say we do have a core as you're up most... with it. Yeah. Yeah. Most of our stuff does happen in the same universe. But then, you know, we'll have these these properties, these either Disney Plus shows or movies that are their own standalone thing because there's certain paths that are close to them because of the way yeah. they've made decisions within the the you know the the core story that they're telling. That would be right. interesting to go back and and do something like, you know, one of the ones that I brought up before is what if you wanted to do the invaders? Which I know I'm the only one asking for the invaders. Is oh movie. no, no, I'm you are not. I'm also asking for it. <laughs> <laughs> but because of the way they did World War II in the Marvel universe, that's not going to yeah. be that way. You know, like, no. but they could do yeah. something where it's an invaders series of movies. It's just like this is a different version of Captain America and mm-hmm. Namor than the ones that you mm-hmm. saw. And you know, and here's these other cool characters that you know we are throwing in also, and so you know that the original Human Torch, right? The original Human yeah. Torch, yeah. Union Jack, um, the Wizard, Miss America. You know, yeah. there's all sorts of characters you can throw in there. So, um, so yeah, um, even the Golden Age Vision. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, I uh, that that's the sort of thing that I hope, hope that Marvel eventually gets to um, because I agree. I I think I think even though it's cool that Marvel has kept everything all connected. And sometimes I'm like, I, I would just like a standalone movie at some point where we don't have to have at least one guest star from another movie <laughs> yeah. in the movie just so we can focus on a character. You know? Right. So, yeah. that, would be, that would be Moon Knight, Nathan. <laughs> well, true. I mean, true. Some of the Disney Plus stuff hasn't had uh, yeah. a guest star, but like the movies now are at a point where it's like every movie has at least one guest star. It's the most laborious part of the, I mean... When Julia Louis-Dreyfus appears on screen in Black Panther, I wanted to go on Black Twitter and said, brothers and sisters, go to the bathroom when you see your face. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and the thing is, Black Panther is one of the few times that I've been like, you know, guys, you know, most of these movies lately have been saying like, you guys should have released the director's cut of these movies because they were too short. You know, like Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madison, like if you released all that other material that you cut out, it probably would have made a lot more sense. But yeah, like Black Panther, I'm like, oh my God, cut all the stuff in America. Like you could have introduced Riri anywhere else in the world and then cut everything in America because like none of that stuff, it dragged away from the movie that you were doing and none of it was 
really good. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, um, I mean, Riri could have been visiting Wakanda. I mean, that's an easy solution right there. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. So, um, Ali, uh, uh, something that you think is an example of the multiverse done well that you really enjoy. I think I have to talk about my favorite Spider-Man movie, Into the Spider-Verse. Mm. Um, <laughs> and that's not even one that I think uh, explores the multiverse in the way that we were talking about, that we like exploring the multiverse as like different takes on the same character. Since most of the versions of Spider-Man that we see are not the same they're not Peter Parker versions mm -hmm. or they're not Miles Morales versions. They're all different characters. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an interesting, like different way of viewing the multiverse, because in that instance, the character who gets swapped around is Spider-Man, not Peter Parker, Miles Morales, Gwen Stacy, et cetera. And so that's kind of an interesting thing, especially if you take into account like what we at least what uh well marvel's no doing it now too sharing superhero identities we used to not um share you know dc was pretty good about passing mantles on you know there's many different char characters who go by the superhero handle flash for example but in marvel it tended to be there was one wolverine and then you know eventually now we're passing on at least some lineages uh but so this was a different kind of take on that in that we're looking at different multiverses where different people became Spider-Man and it gives a different message, which is the underlying message of Into the Spider-Verse, which is that anyone could wear the mask, which is just like, that just stabs me right in the heart. <laughs> that whole idea, like you could be a hero too. Uh, anyway, that's the m movie that makes me cry constantly. Mm. Um, but I definitely like viewing, the, like one of the things that I think into the multi uh, into the Spider Verse does particularly well, is that it presents really different versions of multiverse of what the universe could look like, um, particularly when you get into options like Spider Man Noir and Peter Porker. <laughs> and, uh, it, that's that's part of when it gets really interesting is to see those different like what the world looks like totally reimagined and that works particularly well in animation and i think less well in live action <laughs> uh which is probably why we don't see that same complete reinvention in most live action properties uh but it is something that that i think is a, a real strength to exploring the multiverse um it's one of the reasons why I did I, I did like the sequence in uh Doc, Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness when we crash through all of the various multiverses I just wish we had spent some time in some of those bizarre ones rather than just crashing through uh which I mean again like I said not as easy to do in live action so maybe we'll see them in what if <laughs> Yeah, I, I will say this though. I mean, at least I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna be like the extreme nerd here, um, you know, just to again talk about nomenclature and whatnot, you know, and Stargate. I I mean, to me, it's not different multiverses. It's all the multiverse, 
But it's just mm-hmm. when you start changing one thing, well, then you change another thing and you change it. You can get into realities that are really far out there where so many things have changed that like, you know, some aspects of how like even like existence works are somewhat different, which is where you can try to draw similarities to parallel dimensions but parallel dimensions are still different because those coexist in the same space that we do and again it's it's a physics thing and most people don't care about that when they're watching their media but like but it is still a parallel reality because the idea is that it is it started from the same point originally but just you know so far back that so many things have changed in it to like create you know a universe it's very different from ours and it is interesting that the idea of spider-man or some sort of spider character, mm-hmm. you know, like ends up existing in each of those, uh, which is, you know, what they were drawing from in that. But yeah, no, yes. I, yeah. I, it was a very well done movie. I, I was surprised by how, you know, well written it was utilizing, you know, the concepts that it was okay. utilizing. Yeah. Yeah. That one in particular. Um, but actually, I've got another one, if you don't mind, a, a second option, uh, which is the Buffy episode, The Wish. Uh, for those who don't remember (laughs) uh cordelia wishes that buffy had never come to sunnydale and um the demon and yanka grants her wish and shows a world in which buffy never came to sunnydale and uh it's based around the be careful what you wish for um but it shows a very different sunnydale in which Xander and Willow are vampires and the master has taken over and everyone's dying. Um, <laughs> and it shows a very different Buffy as well, who wasn't molded by her friends. Uh, and so it explores everything about um, the way those characters uh, come together and influence each other. So it's it's very much about how found family creates character. Uh so like that's that's another one that I particularly like, and it's a different version of how you get to the multiverse, um, <laughs> in that, and that it's a a demon, and they they do a couple of there's a few other Buffy episodes where they explore alternate realities, uh, using magic basically. But yeah, does anyone else have uh, something they want to say about uh, Into the Spider Verse or even about Buffy? No, into the Spider-Verse is fantastic. I mean, it won Best Animated Feature. They actually wrested that Oscar from the <laughs> from the Disney Mafia. So, uh, and uh, introduced Miles Morales to mainstream America and elsewhere. Yep. Yeah, Spider-Verse, extremely well done film. And I, I really like the, the Buffy multiverse. I hadn't really thought of that, but that that's such a good example. Of, uh, of of using using an, an additional universe um, to facilitate a story that's based in character, and it did her such a nice job of it. Yeah, um, I uh, yeah, I, I was I was thinking about Stargate for a minute there because I know I'm a big Stargate <laughs> fan. <laughs> oh, I think I about am, all the TV I'm... shows that have like used multiverse <laughs> like, in just an episode or two, kind of thing. Yeah, and so like I, yeah. I'm as deep into Buffy as I am to Stargate, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so Tom, what's uh, an example of the multiverse that you really like? I heart Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm. That movie should not have worked as well as it did. First off, they broke the, the villain rule. You have all these villains from three different versions of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yep. And 
you know, generally speaking, the what, the takeaway from the first iteration of Batman movies is the more villains you have, the less Batman you have. And yet that script kept its eyes squarely on Peter Parker, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Spider Tom Holland, <laughs> on his journey and completes his origin. When they killed May Parker, I'm like, what? Because... <laughs> You know, I, I'm I'm heartless in the comic books. When when they did um, when he did his deal with Mephisto to keep May alive, but to undo his marriage to Mary Jane, which was you know, editor in chief Joe Casada had it in for that relationship, yeah. and J- Joe Straczynski wanted to take his name off the comic, and they're like, please, please, please don't. But it's interesting that they twisted it, which is what Marvel often does well with their adaptations. They take the core idea and twist it a different mm-hmm. way. But when she, you know, the fact that they gave her Uncle Ben's famous line with great power comes great responsibility and that she urges him, you know, you're a hero, you know, be the hero, which is kind of really totally ripped off in Black Panther 2 by, uh, you know, by astral pl- or ancestral plane, Ramunda telling Shuri, show him who you are. But just, I mean, I don't think Tom Holland gets enough credit because he really grounds his version of Spider-Man. And full disclosure, I never liked Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Tobey Maguire has played the same morose loser in everything he's been in. <laughs> I'm watching Babylon tomorrow. I can tell you if he plays the same morose <laughs> But I just didn't like him as he, he bored me. Uh, although Spider-Man 2 is still a great movie because Alfred Molina rocks and he yeah. rocked in mm-hmm. <laughs> he rocked in No Way Home. But uh and then Andrew Garfield, I just I'm a big fan of his. Mm. That dude says more with his eyes when he rescues Zendaya Basically, in yes. the same situation where he failed to rescue Gwen Stacy, and mm-hmm. they storyboarded that. That was the only thing in Amazing Spider-Man 2 that worked for me, because uh, mm-hmm. the mishandling of that franchise. That's You could do a whole uh, podcast about that. Yeah. yeah. But oh, when, when he asks Zendaya, are you okay? And then she shoots back, are you okay? Uh-huh. <laughs> but My wife I was just, crying in the movie oh, theater. Oh, I do Same. not blame her. I just, uh, I thought that script was underrated and I was really annoyed that between Sony and Marvel, neither one of them submitted it to the WGA for awards consideration. So it was not on the ballots and you can't, and it's like, how could you drop the ball? Because that was a really good script that accomplished the impossible. And they used Dr. Strange just the right way mm-hmm. as a catalyst character so he touches base and key parts of the movie but it's still focused on it's funny the uh many of the spider-man movies have kind of played like marvel team-ups because mm-hmm. some yes. of my friends have groused why can't i remember when spider-man movies used to be about spider-man it's like dude it's a connected universe and as long as the sony marvel alliance lasts you need to bring in other characters from the established universe to make it work but wow i just i i saw it three times in the theater the third time i took my sister and brother-in-law and she had not seen a spider-man movie since toby's (laughs) (laughs) and so we had to i had to do a little bit of catch up with her in the car but she really enjoyed it because it was a solid it's amazing that a movie like that could stand alone 
and yet it was the eighth live action Spider-Man movie. Yes. Yeah. 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 It did it it did two things that I think a multiverse film has to do to be or property any property has to do to be successful, which are really hard to do. And one is that it can't lose focus on who Mm -hmm. you should be focusing on, which is really easy to do as things are splintering off. But you've got to be laser focused on who the audience should be behind. And and the other thing is that you can't have the multiverse mean that your consequences no longer matter. So you couldn't just like kill Mm -hmm. a character off and then bring it back for another universe and it's all okay. Those consequences still have to be there. And, And No Way Home did both of those very, very well. The consequences mattered. The, the you you knew who to who to root for even with all of the different splinters coming around you knew exactly where to focus on the the fan service was just mixed in just appropriately for the for the fans and if you weren't a fan you didn't feel like you were missing anything it didn't nothing went mm-hmm. over your head you had just what you needed to do to to tell to continue with the story and 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 then you were done and then it was gone and it was it was really well done i agree and it actually it kind of did the opposite of just kill the characters since Tom Holland Spider-Man's purpose was no we're going to make sure that all the th- we're going to fix them so that way they'll live. Yeah. I mean so it was almost that. like the exact opposite of what we expect in a multiverse film that well they're from another universe so they don't matter which is always my problem with when you visit the multiverse. This is what Stargate does by the way <laughs> where, <laughs> right. where they visit the other universe and daniel's like well i need to get back to my universe to warn them you guys are gonna all die sorry (laughs) (laughs) your lives don't matter yeah Uh, yeah no it's uh, spider-man no way home to me it is the best movie of phase four it's amazing to me that it's a movie that is so much about spider-man and to me sort of course correcting spider-man in the mcu because i never liked the sort of iron spider that they made mm-hmm. him because I'm I'm a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man guy. Like to me, Spider-Man's a street level character. It's like somehow through this bonkers story that includes the multiverse, every iteration of Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, we end it at we're back to friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. You know, he's in a rat infested mm-hmm. apartment with a sewing machine. You know, uh, and and he's gonna make his own costumes and, and everything, a red and, and blue just, like, swing, right? And 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 go swinging around neighborhoods, fighting criminals. You know, like not not you know Thanos. You know, and characters like that. And it's like I was like, wow! Like not only did they like bring Spider Man without doing a reboot into like a new area. You mm-hmm. know, uh, they made mm-hmm. it about fixing things from the previous iterations of spider-man to the point that now everybody wants more andrew garfield's like they're like sony can make andrew garfield movies and marvel can make tom holland movies and we can have both movies running concurrently they're in different universes and people are excited for that i'm I'm not sure that sony can make andrew garfield movies but i'd like to think (laughs) (laughs) i saw i saw both of those and uh, the secret is for them to hire people from marvel to make their movies their their movies for sony uh and not uh, i'm sorry mark webb but uh you know no uh, i I don't think you're the guy um but (laughs) but yeah uh you know it's just so well written and so well understood the character i mean even dr strange where he's used i think in many ways he, he like i think that he was better understood than he was understood by uh raimi uh in multiverse of madness and so like i again i just i'm just very happy 
um with uh with 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 that movie and i think it was so well done and so yeah that's a great call because the multiverse they use the multiverse to do all that character stuff yeah mm-hmm. and that right. was that was amazing so yeah and that's a I, great use of the multiverse yeah is is to really mm-hmm. explore your characters and mm-hmm. they did such a nice job with it that's what spider-verse did too in a lot of ways was really mm-hmm. explored the characters through the use of the multiverse that's that's a really successful way of, of exploring that that idea all right, so we've name checked it, but I've I've got to talk about everything everywhere all at once because okay. that's a movie that I was kind of like ah, I put it on the back burner. I know it has something to do with the multiverse. Michelle Yao's in it, and I like her, but you know it wasn't like a big like I got to go out to the movie theater and see it. And then when I finally saw it, I was like, oh my god, this may be the best movie like of this year. <laughs> um, so when Tom was talking about how you know this has been a lackluster year, and I was like. Oh, some good ones that was the one i was thinking of uh was everything everywhere all at once was because i'm used to the multiverse being a very hard sci-fi concept when it's (laughs) utilized um you know it's often used in big sci-fi you know type movies and i was very fascinated by the idea of telling a story about an immigrant family that's down on their luck (laughs) you know and having marital problems and making it about the multiverse and it's so well written because it's not just so it's an action movie with the multiverse it's a movie about mental health it's a movie about the immigrant experience it's a movie about the way that we all relate to each other you know, in our lives and how, like, there's all these different versions of ourselves mm-hmm. and, you know, and how we don't always see, like, the full, like, you know, aspect of of somebody that might get expression. And that's where it intersects with the multiverse is the idea of different expressions of yourself can exist, but they're all still within you. You know, the potential is there, yeah. but it's, but it's, you know, it's out there. And, like, it was like a movie that, I mean, it's, it's it's about something. It's about a lot of things and they all work. It's not mm-hmm. like a, oh, it feels like there's an A movie and a B movie and they're not really joined together very well. It's all interwoven seamlessly. And the acting is phenomenal. And yeah. the action sequences are phenomenal. And and it gets weird. I mean, Ali was talking <laughs> about how in live action, uh, Ali, have you seen everything everywhere all at once? I haven't yet. It's been oh, on my list, Allie. and I, yeah, you I have. No, I know, I know. Trust me, I already got it when I even at DragonCon, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, so I won't get into specifics then. But I will say that the kind of off the wall stuff that you know, the Spider Verse does, they do that in live action. Like they really yeah. do. Like there are some off the wall realities that we see, <laughs> like very weird realities that we see yeah. in everything, everywhere, all at once, and they just go for it. You know, it's yeah. just like, yeah, like this is, you know, this is the reality where everything's a crayon drawing, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just weird stuff like that. It's just there. Yeah, I, I kept thinking as I'm watching, you know, we all have these different personas about ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. We have our, our work self and our person or our self mm-hmm. when we're around our family and the ones we're on this group of friends or this group of friends or conventions or whatever. And there's all these different aspects of it, but they're all us. But people... You know, if people from work saw me backstage at a show or uh, at a convention, they might 
they're going to see something they've not seen before because those are aspects of myself that I don't show at work. And so it, it, it was an exploration of taking all of those different aspects and going in all these different, really completely bonkers directions. <laughs> and, and it works, it works so well because it's something that we can all, I, I think we can all identify with because we all have these aspects of ourselves. Mm-hmm. The, one of the things that I love about that movie is the notion that this struggling, struggling in her job, struggling in her marriage, getting audited by the IRS, and yet this alternate reality version of her husband shows up, who's not, who's her husband, but it's not her husband, and tells her, in all the multiverse, you are the most important person. Mm. You are the key. And that's kind of a cool concept. And you sometimes see that, but not it's not usually the person who's just like average. It's usually the exceptional person who's being told you're the most important. But no, this basically average struggling immigrant wife is told you're the most important person in all the multiverse. And man... Um, Nathan, if you have it on disc, watch the special features because the Daniels are, there's a great, (laughs) there's a great scene where they adapt, uh, they take on a situation from the movie and are talking about the movie as these objects. (laughs) (laughs) They're inanimate objects. I'll give you a clue. I don't want to spoil anything for Allie. It's just, but I, I, I watched when the when the uh, Blu-ray 4K Blu-ray came out, I rewatched the movie and I rewatched all the special features, and it's just delightful, completely original. And I don't think there's a there's not a bad performance in the movie. Jamie Lee Curtis is <laughs> funny, but also slightly menacing. Yeah, <laughs> but no, it's just a great. Uh, and Stephanie Sue plays the daughter, and she was the friend. At the bookends of Shang Chi, yeah. who uh, oh, because I was I going nuts saying, "Where have I seen her before?" And then I IMDb her. It's like, ah, she's the friend. <laughs> so yeah, it's can't recommend. That's probably that's definitely in my top five films of the year. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if there was no. justice, that would be best picture for this year. It's the kind of movie that I absolutely love because so often I can see a trailer. And I'm like, I know the movie, you know, like I know what this movie is and a movie that can surprise me in a good way and be like, this is not what I was expecting. You know, because I've had the other experience. I watched three Star Wars prequel trailers and and, and those had me expecting these grand movies. And then I went every time and was disappointed. You know, each time the second one was like, oh, look, it looks like they fixed it. You know, like the second one will be good. And then, oh crap. That's a real trip through the multiverse right there. (laughs) (laughs) Then the third one, okay, they fixed it for the third one. Oh no, that wasn't, okay. But you know, it's like, I've been that disappointed. But this was like, I did not know what to expect with this movie. And I'm so glad I didn't because it was a delight to experience this movie. Like it it was just, everything was surprising. Everything was good. You know, like, and, and like I say, like it is rare that I, I don't know that I've ever seen a script that deals in so many levels and they all work. Like, it's not like, oh, you added one element into, yeah, I've seen ambitious scripts before and movies that I mostly like, but then, you know, I'm always like, oh, that one element, it didn't really work very well. And, you know, this was ambitious, 
and everything worked and i was just like oh my god so yeah i i can't i can't sing the praises of that movie yeah enough. yeah I, I, I think i had a similar experience where i was you know halfway through the movie and i have no idea where this is going and i can't remember the last time i saw a movie that i thought that way <laughs> and i i love the fact that they they separated the acts into chapters and it's yeah. every everything everywhere all at once <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It gets really weird with all at once. chord playing. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Now that we've now that we've all shamed Allie by being like, you need to see this. It's fine. I I get it every year. I go to Dragon Con. I go talk on the military sci-fi track. But they all get mad at me for not watching Babylon Five. I'm very used to <laughs> feeling this kind of heat. For various reasons. I'm not, I'm not mad at you at all, Ellie, but I, I'm actually a little jealous because you're going to get to watch it for the first time, which is such an incredible right? experience. I think if she hasn't seen it by now, she's never going to. I, I mean, that seems to. likely, but <laughs> I have also been told, someone told me that they would tell me which ones I could skip, and I, I said I would say, be much more likely to watch. <laughs> just, just watch the arc episodes of seasons one and two, and Straczynski writes all the episodes of three and four. They had to pay oh, the fine to the Writers Guild to do that, but uh, see, I disagree really... with that because Peter David wrote some episodes and one and two. You can't skip those. <laughs> Peter David. I, no, no, I, I'm <laughs> Peter David. Is I'm, great. I'm I'm saying that he wrote Straczynski wrote all three and four. I wouldn't skip the Peter David episodes. They're great, but um, but yeah, but one and two. Some of those episodes are like whoa, but the ones that I mean, one once the Shadow War starts, woo. And season five, ooh, is again <laughs> one of those where, you know, find out which episodes to watch and which to skip. Uh, I disagree. Even bad episodes of Babylon 5 are better than most episodes of most other shows. <laughs> I mean, like, it's 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 a great series all the way around. Um, but, um, but let's go around one more time. I think we have the time for it. Um, so, Stephen, what, what, what's another example of the multiverse you would like to mention? Another one that I would like to mention. Um, I'll go back to the Larry Niven short story, All the Myriad Ways, okay. which is my first entry into And it is sort of an everyday um, exploration into a multiverse, but it's a very simple concept of following one person and all the decisions that they make. And then the exploration of the branch off of what happens if the other decision is also made. And so um, in, in a short story, it really caps encapsulates all of those possibilities. Yeah. Um which as as a young reader really grabbed grabbed my mind. So I I, I and I haven't read that and reread that. I need to reread that again because it was it's always worth it. it. It's it's in an anthology which also includes um Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex, which I highly recommend. <laughs> <laughs> highly, highly recommend. Can, but can um, you, but you all the married ways is is such a such a good story. Can you put in the chat what the name of the anthology is? I want to check that it out. It is called it is all the myriad ways is the name of the anthology as well. Okay. Because I I've read Man of Woman Man of Steel Woman of Kleenex and uh, when I was younger and yeah. that one everyone reads that when they're younger enlightening <laughs> I, I I'm familiar with the idea of it without having actually read it myself oh, but I it's made well I, worth the reading I, I I I made a similar diatribe when Supergirl was on and when she was you know dating somebody that didn't have superpowers and somebody was like <laughs> oh like this is just like. <laughs> <laughs> this, you know this thing that's talking about superman and i'm like yeah it doesn't work 
it really doesn't work like you would murder the person unfortunately but yeah, yeah it, anyway it, it doesn't work but in such a humorous way <laughs> <laughs> but anyway um has anyone else read this uh larry niven short story I guess not. Nope. All right. Okay. Add that to your uh, reading list. Right, yeah. <laughs> our, yeah, our homework is. Yeah. Uh, I do like Larry Niven, and that, that is a that was that was a really good story. It's a mm. good anthology. I think pretty much everything in there is solid. Yeah. So, Ali, do you have another example? Uh yeah. Um. So this one is a. Uh, it's a book. Uh, it's called Invictus, uh, mm. by Ryan. Gradin, and it's um it is a time travel but multiverse book and um it caught me off guard with it being a multiverse book i think i just didn't read the description of it very carefully uh but it winds up being much more about traveling through the multiverse than it is about time travel there is time travel involved but um the main character winds up interacting with an alternate universe version of himself that is female hmm. which is a thing that i absolutely love because it does a lot of fun stuff with gender um and it's i will say it's not necessarily like the best book in the world um but like what it had to do with the multiverse i thought was really interesting and so i was really into into what was happening there um and like another book that plays with multiverse stuff also has time travel in it but it is much more to me about traveling through the multiverse uh is this is how you lose the time war uh by uh amal el motar and max gladstone um it's a it's a novella uh so it's pretty quick read uh and it is mostly epistolary so it is these two rival agents uh, who are trying to win the time war <laughs> uh, by changing different things about the about different universes, because they are also they're not just traveling through time. They are traveling through different universes as well to kind of sway the the world uh, in either more towards a technological or more towards a natural order. And it's primarily a romance because it's it's these two characters getting to know each other, uh, but they're jumping through all of these different multiverse worlds. And so you'll get hints of the worlds as they are like finding the letters and then the letters themselves are much more about how the interactions between the characters are changing each other. So like that's another one that is just like phenomenal. That one's amazing. Um and but it is very much a different take on the multiverse and uh the the science of it is totally unexplained mm. <laughs> it is it is much more about the characters than it is about how do they get there how are they traveling through this thing how does how are they changing time in the multiverses like none of that matters <laughs> it is entirely about like the weird ways that they leave each other letters by writing by encoding it into like the genetics of a nut that they then put in their mouth and eat and then they have the letter it's wild and really cool i reading that book was a joy <laughs> that does sound very interesting 
Yeah, um, you know, even though I mentioned that I, I wouldn't talk about time travel with respect to this, there is one, and, and what you were saying in the beginning, at least, kind of like uh, tricked a memory for me. And I won't say this is the best example of the multiverse I've ever, I've ever seen, but it's it's kind of time travel that allows for multiverse in the sense of there's a Star Trek novel called The Entropy Effect. And in it, this character is like, doubling up on his own timeline and so he's creating like all these changes not only with events on the enterprise but also with himself so he's actually like hunting himself as part of the story because one of the versions mm -hmm. of him is not good and so it's like that idea of creating like the multiverse through time travel causing alternate iterations of a single character is also kind of a you know an interesting you know sort of idea um but uh but yeah novels let you do a lot more with the multiverse in the sense of you can get more into concepts that play yeah. out rather than you know you have to show everything in a tv show or a movie entropy effect by Va vonda mcintyre mm -hmm. was the first licensed star trek book published by pocket books under the timescape line oh, okay. imprint until they, got, they got rid of the timescape imprint but no it's it's solid mm -hmm. it's solid yeah, it's the first Star Trek novel novel that they did that was not a novel because they did the motion picture novelization, and then Pocket Books did the uh, did the Entropy Effect as number two in their Star Trek series. Also, um, but uh, but yeah, so Tom, what is another example that you would bring up? Since you opened the door to Star Trek, uh, they have dealt with a variety of of multiverse issues. Uh, you know, I mentioned the Murray universe earlier, and they have established it existing through the next generation era and beyond, and then back in time with the uh with the newer Trek shows. Uh yesterday's Enterprise season three of Next Generation, one of the best, easily one of the top ten next generation episodes. Oh, the best next generation episode. I'm just gonna say I, it. <laughs> I'll give an edge to Beth of Bo best of both worlds part one. Uh, okay. I mean that's my number two. So I I yeah. Patrick Stewart did not have a contract for season four, so that yeah. was a real cliffhanger. <laughs> um but uh basically the Enterprise C comes out of a space-time anomaly, everything shifts, and Tasha Yar is alive again. And the only one who realizes that she should not be there is Guinan and tells her, you're not supposed to be here. Something's wrong. And uh, they have to send her back on the Enterprise C to go back through the time, you know, the anomaly to most likely meet their fates. Uh, they were going to continue that. The intention was to continue that arc because they teased the existence of uh, somehow that version of Yar survives and gives birth to a half Romulan child named Sela who becomes a commander in the Rom Romulan star empire. But for whatever reason, they dropped that arc. I'm surprised nobody finished that up in a novel. I mean, uh, to me, the crazy thing was that star Trek nemesis didn't use her Seriously? because there was a character in star. There was the female Romulan character that was like, that should have been Sela. Like, and then they could have brought her into a movie. Like, yeah, they could have brought Denise Crosby into a movie with the rest of the next gen cast. And I was like, I don't, I don't know why they didn't do because that was the most logical thing they could have done, and they just didn't do it. Because Nemesis was but, a mess of a movie. Well, it was a mess of a movie, <laughs> but I'm just saying that would have that would have been great though to at least have Denise Crosby in it. I mean, you know, that movie was literally yeah. a franchise killer. So <laughs> <laughs> the less yeah. said about it, the more. Um, 
it's fascinating that when they did reboot the movies 11 through 13 mm-hmm. which i like to keep the numbering because i can count uh, <laughs> but um they they widely acknowledge that is you know the kelvin universe because the uh you know uh, nero's intrusion into the prime timeline splits it and uh what's funny is um Ron Moore, I, I wrote my doctoral thesis on Next Generation. Original version was written in 95. And then when I, to publish it, I had to catch up on all the treks in between. So I listened to every commentary on every TNG episode available, special features, etc. Ron Moore's advice basically said that if I had been in their position, I would have rebooted too, because there's just too much continuity and this allowed them to kind of do the Etch-A-Sketch thing, but you get that great moment when when Newkirk meets old Spock <laughs> in the gulag, and he's like, you know, what? <laughs> so that was, um, you know, I'm not a fan of uh, New Khan, because Khan is a swarthy Latino <laughs> playing <laughs> playing an, an East Asian Indian, not a scrawny white dude. Well, there are so many problems with that second movie. I mean, the fact that they cure death, but then don't do anything with it like ever again. It's like, oh, you can just put these superhuman blood into your veins and you can like revive someone from death. And I'm like, whoa, why aren't you packaging that stuff? (laughs) Oh, God. So many problems with that movie. For honorable mention, um, one of the DC animated universe movies, Crisis on Two Earths. Mm -hmm where they meet the um their counterparts in the comic books it would be from earth three but for simplicity's sake it's their counterparts from earth two and it's basically the evil justice league so mm-hmm. you have ultraman you have superwoman etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's really it kind of goes back to that trope about uh a lot of parallel universe movies media use where the evil why am i blanking on their name of the like evil justice mere, league uh, oh oh the injustice gang is that what it is uh, uh something like that but anyway their goal is to basically wipe out every other earth but theirs which obviously you know our heroes are not going to stand for but it's a it, it's a pretty self-contained you know, use of multiverse, even though that opens the door to the wider DC, you know, mm-hmm. uh, infinite earths concept, but entertaining, um, boy, I hope that Gunn's idea for Cavill to return doesn't involve him playing Ultraman because that would be like a real... <laughs> oh, no, I think I think he's smart enough not to do that. I don't think he will do that. I don't know. And just like everybody think... who's saying he should come to Marvel to play Hyperion, and I'm like, he's not going to play a Superman knockoff. Like, even if he comes yeah. to Marvel, don't give him a Superman knockoff, knockoff. No. as a character no. for him to play at Marvel. Have him play something different at Marvel. You know, it's like, I'd him... love to have him in a Marvel movie. Just, like, don't give him the Superman knockoff as the character. Right. but uh but yeah you brought up star trek and you know next to the mirror universe which of course they've they've sort of retconned you know because a mirror universe if you think about it if it's literally a mirror doesn't work they've kind of retconned (laughs) it as just a parallel reality um Mm -hmm. but um 
but you know so beyond the mirror universe which is the first thing i think of when i think of star trek and parallel universes the other one i always think of and the one that i'm always thinking i'm i'm living through myself is the one where Worf just keeps walking around and finding Parallels. himself in other realities <laughs> and that i'm always like awesome. whenever i notice something that isn't where it should be and i'm like oh my god and i just like fallen into another reality you know cuz it's <laughs> like I'm always convinced that you know, like it's like I'm living that wharf thing where it's just like, oh, I just stepped into another reality today. Like you know, <laughs> things are slightly different. That um, was one of the handful of good, of good seventh season episodes because some of those yeah. episodes were like Beverly and the Ghost, really, dudes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Have you seen the meme where she and Troy are talking and Troy is saying like she's dating a guy, but he ghosted her, and she's like, "Oh, tell me details," and she's like, "Um." <laughs> Nathan, can we, as long as we're on multiverse, can we take a moment and talk about Loki? Uh, I mean, the show? Yeah. I mean, they haven't quite done them. Well, I mean, they did in that they're doing like uh, the clipped timelines. Yeah, kind of like the multiverse. Yeah. 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 Supposedly, yeah. The, the, the multiverse was created, according to an interview I read, the, or maybe it was the, the special feature, the multiverse was created at the end of Loki's season finale. Right. Yes. Yeah. So. Which is why What If was the next show out of the gate. Right. right. But I was going to I was going to say first, though, does anyone else have anything regards to Star Trek and the multiverse that they wanted to mention? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me do my pick first. Then we can talk about Loki briefly. Sure. Um, mine is uh, a show called Fringe. And I don't... Oh, good. Oh, I was dude, just going to talk about Fringe. That. Fringe. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, so oh that's a show that existed during, like, so I have this span of time that goes from, like, college to marriage to, like, having kids that it's, like, I didn't watch, like, any new shows, like, you know, through this whole time span. And Fringe falls within that time span where I, like, I just I completely missed it. Um, you know, because everything before I went to college, I saw everything on TV. I would read every week when the TV thing would come in the newspaper, I would read through the whole thing, look through the whole grid and figure out what I'm watching and record the things I you know, wanted to watch that I couldn't watch because they were simultaneous or I was going to be out of the house or whatever. And that was like sort of like my methodical way of like watching things. And then like after... I went to college. I was way too busy. You know, I, I, I continued watching things I was already watching, but the watching new stuff just like fell off the bandwagon because I didn't have time to pick up anything new. Um, so, uh, so yeah, like a lot of shows like Fringe just like passed me by, but a friend of mine was like, you've got to watch this show. Oh, and yeah. I was like, okay, like, you know, I, I mean, it doesn't like fringe didn't really say anything to me you know like the name like so i'm like all right i'll watch this and wow was i blown away by that show i was this is this is a really great show that starts out as like oh this is just another paranormal investigation type show Next ripoff. yeah yep. and wow did it go like heavy into the multiverse and they don't 
they don't go bonkers like you know a lot of these things no. we've talked about they don't go into like all the different possible it's mainly just two different universes yep. that they're talking about but the idea of these two iterations and how they affect each other and the fact that they have different music i love the fact that they do the theme <laughs> differently if it's an episode yes. about universe a or if it's about universe b and then later on the universes merge and then the theme is different for that too and they even do one where like there's a whole flashback episode set in the 80s and they do like an 80s version of the theme and i just love all the different like an 80s ver 80s version of fringe technology right? yes <laughs> exactly and um yeah like that show it, it handled the multiverse concept really well because it did keep it very limited but again made it about mm -hmm. the characters and made it about you know how did this one thing which again for people who haven't seen fringe i don't want to like get too you know deep into like the why but there's this one event mainly that separates the universes and how that affects the main characters differently and how their universes end up and you know like because of this fringe science that they deal with they have the ability now to cross over and so mm -hmm. you know that all that interplay between the two universes and then getting into well let's put in all this sort of fringe science stuff on top of the fact that it's a multiverse like sort of cold war yeah. thing that we're doing and it's just like it's it's really good like it is it is really good i was surprised by how good it was so um that's that would be my other pick um for um, this the first season finale i've used in my screenwriting classes as a case study because it's called There's Two of Everything. Mm. And it's mm -hmm. where um, basically the, the, the end of the episode, we're in New York and Olivia crosses over and then looks out the window and she's in the Twin Towers. And this is post 9 11. Mm -hmm. And there's a dirigible docking somewhere at a skyscraper. And the fact that they were able to coax Leonard Nimoy out of retirement to play the um, the other, you know, the founder of is it General Dynamics? Something that it's not it's not General Massive, but it's, massive Dynamics. Massive massive dynamics. Dyna yeah, that's it. Massive and dynamics. his character is William Bell. William yeah, Bell. Yeah. So my friend, my friend does not <laughs> tell me Leonard Nimoy is in this show. I'm like, that was the thing. You just needed to tell me Leonard Nimoy was in this and I would have watched it instantly. And she like waits for me to like watch it. And I'm like texting her like, how did you not tell me Leonard Nimoy was in this? I watched the pilot with uh, before the before the show premiered. Uh, sometimes right, my writer friends will get when I would live in L.A. would get pilots ahead of time. And so I watched it with some friends and we weren't impressed by the pilot because it was mm. just like mm -hmm. X-Files ripoff. Yeah. And then some friends of mine ended up working on season two and they told me these are the arc episodes of season one. Watch these to prepare for season two. But the thing that was really Anatorv in the pilot was kind of stiff. And I'm like, oh, JJ mm -hmm. Abrams is usually good with casting women and he missed on this one. And then by the end of the series, it's like, oh, I was so wrong. Uh -huh. After Leonard Nimoy had passed, there was an episode where Anatorv channels bell mm -hmm. nimoy's character and does a pitch perfect imitation and it's like wow plus yeah. what nathan hasn't mentioned is even though they kept it fairly simple at the end of i think season one of the seasons a character is unwritten from existence <laughs> uh-huh and then most people don't remember him <laughs> and yeah, yet although i will say the payoff to that like like made me want to 
throw a table. Like <laughs> they had the the trope line, a thing you humans call love. And I was just like, oh, oh. yeah, yeah. Well, come on. <laughs> That's why you can remember. <laughs> you were going so well until that point. End of season four, you dropped the ball. Why? <laughs> and one of the cool things about they had they didn't expect they weren't sure if they were gonna get a fifth season pickup. Mm. So they wrote an escape hatch in case they did and executed yeah. that plan for season five. But the really cool thing about season five is our metaphorical family becomes an actual family. Mm. And mm. I love ooh, that's that's one of the last big network sci-fi shows i love mm. i i have to tell you like a multiversal experience that i had myself is i re-watched fringe recently and i had totally forgotten that it was five seasons <laughs> so oh, i wow. was convinced that i was <laughs> that i was gonna stop at the end of season four and then i was like what there's a fifth season <laughs> i don't remember that like i didn't remember any of the episodes i watched it all so my, yes my, well, i my had friend my own says multiverse season... experience with it my friend says that season five is basically a different show and it kind of is, even though a lot of the same characters yeah. are in it. I mean, it's, it's so different in the way that everything, you know, like the whole setup and how everything, you know, is, it's, it's a very different show. I have it. to say, I, I'm not a huge fan of season five, but it's still nice that they got to like, do, I mean, like, again, like it was a, a last minute pickup kind of thing of, you know, it was mm -hmm. kind of, and so they had to just do something with, you know, okay, we got four. It was a half season, right? It was like 13, 14 episodes. It was 13 or episodes. Yeah. I, so. I, I love the actor they cast as the offspring of two major characters. Mm -hmm. And she, she hasn't worked enough in my mind, but I... I, I know her as Elsa from Once Upon a Time. So I was like, going to say a, she, yeah. she was brilliant on Once Upon a Time. That was... Mm -hmm. Once upon a time had the habit of they do two arcs and one I would love and the other I'd be like whatever. But I thought they nailed the frozen arc. Mm. I do too. My friend actually who introduced me to Fringe hates. They said like the frozen arc is when like Once Upon a Time like went bad because she's like oh it became like so kid friendly once it became frozen and you know before it was like taking these old fairy tales and making them very adult and blah 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 and I was like yeah no I I disagree. I thought as someone with two girls in my you know my. <laughs> And it was it was steeped in frozen for you know like <laughs> a year or two, you know. Like I was like, wow, this is like a really good. And I get that they didn't do what they did before, which was they took a lot of these old Disney stories and like twisted them. It was very much a straight sequel to Frozen. Absolutely. And I was like, this feels like they understood the characters in Frozen, and and this is the continuation of like, to me, it's a better Frozen two. Than the Frozen and, Two that we got in movie theaters. So. Plus, cast, casting Elizabeth Mitchell to play the real Snow Queen—that mm. was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I like that arc also in Once Upon a Time. But yeah, um, which also kind of did a multiverse. But we're not going to talk about that. But um, <laughs> oh. I was I was about to say season <laughs> seven. What? what? No, no. <laughs> All right, so Stephen, you wanted to talk about Loki. So what did you sure. want to what do you want to mention about Loki? Well, I think it was it was sort of the um the beginnings of a multiverse within the MCU. Mm -hmm. And with the 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 TVA was it was actually trying to establish some parameters uh around um around this these variations. Yeah, really around these these variations and 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 also that um that that whole organization was it within Marvel Comics was was done as a reaction 
to a parody of Mark Gruenwald, who hated all of these variations that were done in comics and wanted to end them. So it was basically sort of making fun of him and uh, <laughs> and, and then using them within a, using that within uh, the the impetus of a multiverse just struck me as as ironic as heck. And it was I, I, I appreciated how well done it was. Yeah, I, uh, I I like Loki in the fact that it took Endgame, which had the worst time travel that I've ever seen, like in any big budget movie. I've seen some like I've seen like some indie films kind of things that did time travel worse. But like it was really bad how they did time travel in Endgame <laughs> and like the whole like you could change whatever you want. It doesn't change anything. And it was like, yeah, yeah no, 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 that no. that makes no sense at all. And right. being like, all right. You know, we'll we'll explain this. Yes, they did a whole series just to explain why Endgame works. And I was like, I appreciate that. I appreciate the work that you put in just to try to explain that. I I appreciate that Loki broke the timeline and gave us the multiverse in the MCU because because I love the multiverse. I I love (laughs) I love getting to explore it, and I think it's the greatest gift that loki could have ever given (laughs) the the marvel universe (laughs) yeah i'm not gonna retread the ground that i that i tread on the actual loki podcast which you can go back and listen to but i will say this please for season two give us fun hijinks with loki that's all i'm asking for you can use time travel in the multiverse to do that like the fact that loki was such a serious show you know like and using loki and like in time travel i was like i was not expecting that and i just want some fun give me some fun please i did love the introduction of he who remains though yeah yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, that is very divisive though because my friend again the friend who introduced me to fringe she hates it she's like it's only for people who know the comics like you know because it makes no sense if you don't know the comics and i'm like and i'm like yeah but you have to give it time because this is the idea he's a non-linear character and so you're experiencing out of order and i'm like that's actually the most kang thing that they could have done is have yeah. us experience him mm-hmm. out of order but she's just like it made no sense it wasn't any you know like like it, just boring talking and blah 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 and she just gets mad about it anytime it's brought up and i'm like it worked for me but then again i know the comics so i was just like yeah i see what you're doing there there was one of two possibilities that i expected and it was you know so considering he's the big bad of phase five and the clips I've seen, the clips I've seen of him from uh, Quantum Mania, he's Jonathan Majors is blowing up, man. I mean, oh yeah, he's oh, yeah. he's the lead of Devotion, he's the mm-hmm. villain in Quantum Mania, and he's the antagonist in Creed Three, and that's just in the next like three months, yeah. four months. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's uh, and the dude's good. If oh you, yeah. Um, if you haven't seen Lovecraft Country on HBO, yes. which mm-hmm. is yes. crazy good. And what's really cool is he's the second lead of that because um, Journey Smollett's, uh, she's the lead. Yeah. And that was cool to, to, to not only to see an Afrocentric sci-fi, uh, sci-fi fantasy horror show, but to have a black female as the lead and the black man is her sidekick for all intents and purposes yeah. so yeah and they do it they do it they do some crazy genre stuff throughout the whole run of the series yeah yeah excellent series 
All right. Well, I think we've been going uh, for a good while here. Um, I I will leave some space here for you if you just want to shout out anything else like that you think is a good, you know, we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to get into it. But if there's something (laughs) else where you're like, hey, if you like the multiverse, you should check this out, you know, so so let's do that. So, Stephen, do you have anything else that you would just like to throw out as a as a recommendation? uh as a recommendation uh i mean if you want to say stay away from this also i mean i guess you can do that too like you know um i, I kind of for get i'd like to see them i'd like to see marvel do something more interesting with marvel zombies than just have them <laughs> good luck yeah i mean <laughs> if you're gonna have them have a purpose for them i i wasn't i mean really that's the whole zombie culture it, but... we live in in general like yeah. do something inter- they never do right yeah so that's i guess that's my plea <laughs> well that is my know, least favorite thing about what if exactly <laughs> you know it's 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 spinning off into its own series yes. yeah i know and i'm oh, not I'm excited yet <laughs> neither am I. that was definitely my least favorite of the season one what if episodes I I mean, I heard about the comic, I read the synopsis of the comic, Mm -hmm. and I am just like, no, like, no, no interest. I don't, I don't know why that interests people, but if you like it, then you've been great, but it's not It seems like a good one-shot idea. But if oh, you they're like on like the fifth it, or sixth iteration now, like in the yeah, comics. Yeah, if you don't have if you don't have somewhere to go with it beyond just hey, there are Marvel characters as zombies, then really, but that seems to be where they're at. No. I can the tell you... episode centered Bucky, so I was into that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like every series now has to do a zombie episode. Like zombie stuff is just like it's everywhere, and I don't yeah. really care for it. Right. The season, the season two premiere was screened at Comic Con in San Diego. And it's what if Captain Carter fought the Hydra Stomper? It's basically their take on Winter's Soldier. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It's okay. I'm very excited. Yeah. All right, Allie, do you have any uh, recommendations, shout outs, or, or I, again, if you want to throw out something like this is just trash, don't, don't, you know, <laughs> don't read or watch I, this. I can't, I can't think of anything off the top of my head except um, thinking of Stargate. Uh, don't dismiss your alternate universe that you're visiting it's just (laughs) it's among other things really rude uh you're a guest there and saying (laughs) that they don't need to survive uh that it's not important that their base and world is being bombed by aliens i'm just saying not a good look um (laughs) That's it's one of the f- things that frustrate me whenever they go and then it's like, well, there's the prime universe and that's the only one that we care about. And it's fine. Everyone else who's in that other universe, the whole universe can just die. No one ma- doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> that that's more of, I feel like a tip for for writers and creators. Uh, don't dismiss the alternate universe. <laughs> Yeah, there's actually a Star Trek Voyager episode like that where it's not a multiverse, but like they get split, like the ship gets split and it's like two copies mm-hmm. and one mm-hmm. char- like a character and a baby die on one ship and the whole ship blows up on another, but they save the character and the baby. And it's like, oh, all's well, because like we ended up with a complete crew and it's yeah. just like they're mm, it shouldn't be isn't, that simple. <laughs> isn't, isn't that the episode where the prime kim harry kim dies mm. and is replaced by and they never acknowledge that again it's right like, yeah what? 
<laughs> we got a Harry Kim. We're good. We're right. Yeah. We got a Harry Kim and, and Ensign Wildman's baby that also died in the other, yeah. you know, and they pulled the baby. And it's like, that's fine because we replaced them. Right. That was the, weird. That's one of the things that like Farscape did very right when they doubled Crichton. Mm. Both of them were quote unquote the real one. And right. and so there were real consequences when you lost one. And like, yep. that's the stakes that we want. We want <laughs> there to be real consequences. We want to really care. I mean, there's a whole discussion around the morality of that and about the idea of if there are infinite iterations, like yeah. at what point does life matter and your consciousness and everything <laughs> else? But it's like, I, I mean, I, I think you could get into interesting discussions about that. But yeah, though, no, I... I on a surface yeah. level, I agree with you entirely that it's like, especially when we're talking about characters that are mostly the same as yourself, but it's like you treat it as like, you right. know, like their life doesn't matter. It's yeah. just very weird. It's, it's yeah. From a story standpoint, it doesn't it doesn't serve the audience well. The consequences yeah. need to matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tom, any, any shout outs you want to do? I'm going to go back to the Arrowverse. And my beef with Crisis was they... Had, I knew I was going to pay for this. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I forgot to leave that one open. Though, it's all it was good. the first one we talked about. But yes, Tom. They they had an entire year to plan for it. So the writing shouldn't have seemed rushed. Mm -hmm. And the ending was just weird. The weirdest insult at the end of Crisis was they put Titans and Doom Patrol on different Earths. And Doom Patrol is a spinoff of Titans. Yeah. Yeah. WTF, do you watch your own shows, people? And they're all Berlanti Yeah, but shows. the Doom Patrol as shown on Titans was different. Like, the, the Chief was different, and even some of the yeah. actors playing some well, of the other ones were different. they fired so... the boring guy and hired Timothy Dalton. <laughs> right, but what I'm saying is that, so it's just that there is a version of Doom Patrol on the Titans Earth, but it is a different... But it, they're but it's different, just like in a lot of the DC stuff. Like, there are versions of these characters on other Earths. But the yeah, one, the I, one in the Doom Patrol show never had Beast Boy as a member. Yeah, you know, so like, yeah, yeah it's just it's they're different, you know. So the um the misdirect about a Flash dying and then Earth '90s Flash substitutes for I thought that was a cheap. That is the biggest one to yeah. me because they have used that newspaper article since episode one of the Flash, what? and that uh -huh. should have meant one. something. And that was a case of what Ali's talking about, where it's like, oh, it's actually the Flash from the '90s TV show, The Flash that dies, even though that makes no sense for the article. Right. Like if you nope. freeze framed and read the article, it was definitely Iris talking about the Barry Allen Flash, and it's like mm -hmm. not only did the events not happen like the article like said, but also. It's like, oh, well, it's some other Flash that died, and so it's okay. It's just like, I yeah. mean... This... <laughs> oh, so, yeah, that, that got and, me mad, yes. And if they had had cojones and foresight, they could have, you know, because Supergirl just went one season more. In the comics, Supergirl's death in issue seven, I, one of my, one of my English teacher profs at the Naval Academy passed from cancer right around the time that Supergirl died in the comic books. And she was a big Supergirl fan. So for me, Kara Zor-El's death reminded me of Nancy Wicker's death. But if they had some foresight to really do Crisis right, you need a significant character death that's meaningful. And by not, I mean, yeah, they killed Ollie. <laughs> yeah. They somehow made that seem anticlimactic. Yeah. Uh, it was super anticlimactic. Yeah. Although yeah. to be fair to them, 
they didn't know Melissa Benoist was going to get pregnant and want to stop doing the show. Well, so they, knew I mean, she, right. they knew she was shagging her co-star who she ended up marrying. So. <laughs> well, I know that, but I mean, like, but yeah, I mean, they thought she was going to have more years left in her. So right. they were like, oh, so Oliver makes this deal. It's like, I know Supergirl's going to die, but I'll kill, like, kill me instead. And somehow that's a substitution that can happen. And so yeah. that was how um, they tried to... <laughs> Yeah, and, and to be fair, and I'm I'm no Arrowverse expert, and I haven't seen everything in the Arrowverse, but I have yet to see anything that didn't feel rushed. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Super, Superman and Lois is um, it, it going into third season this fe- February twenty three. It's actually well written. Is actually well written, and they actually have a big have a larger budget than a typical Arrowverse show because we find out at the end of season two. It's technically not in the right. Arrowverse. It's not style. Arrowverse, even though it's on it's, the CW. So it, that's it's, why it, it's better written and has a bigger budget. <laughs> it's on one of it's it's on one of the finite Earths, and what what's fascinating about how they set up the show is John Henry Irons basically is uh, he claims to be Captain Luther or is addressed by his his ship's AI. He's from a doomed universe where an evil Superman murdered his wife who was Lois Lane. And then by the end of season one, his daughter, uh Natalie, instead of Natasha, but hey, it's still Nat for short. <laughs> she she finds her way to this earth. And they begin season two with this really weird setup that John Henry and N- Natalie are living on the Kent farm. And Lois is a constant reminder of her dead mom. And they do an episode where they have to deal with that. Mm -hmm. But, um, and then they introduce after a really cool fake out, we think it's going to be doomsday and it's not dog. It's bizarro. So we get to see their version of bizarro world. Okay. It's not played for laughs. Oh, good. And uh, the villain is the, the big bad for the season is a take on the parasite. But they did some fun stuff. And in the finale, we find out once and for all from General Lane talking to his grandsons, you know, I've been I've been on a lot of other Earths with lots of heroes, but on this one, your dad's it. And it's like, what? So yeah. the spinoff of Supergirl is not a spinoff of Supergirl. <laughs> Right. He just looks like the Superman from that universe, but he it's a different it's a different yeah, no, I hated that decision. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I hated that decision because I I wish they had told us earlier. Right. Well they only made made the decision in season two. In season one, they were still conceptualizing Mm -hmm. it as part of the Arrowverse. And it's only in season two that they made the decision. Because in season one they wanted to do a crossover with Batwoman, but because that didn't happen because of COVID. You know, then they started thinking, they said between the seasons, they were like, wait, since we never actually drew any direct connections to the Arrowverse, do we have to be in the Arrowverse? And so then they decided with season two that it wasn't. Um, so, yeah. And a lot of people were upset that they got Jenna Dewan to reprise her role as La- as Lucy Lane. And then it's not the same Lucy Lane from Supergirl because we're on a different freaking Earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I... um. I'm a big fan of Tyler Hecklin as Superman and uh, Bitsy yeah. Teller as Lois Lane. So it's a shame that they had to recast uh, Jonathan because of the uh, the original actor having some mental health issues. But it's it's good that he was honest with them. And mm-hmm. it, this is a this business is a grind for so many people. And the fact that how any child actor makes it out, mm-hmm. you know, in halfway decent shape. And I've taught a couple of child actors, some of whom have gone on 
and they're on fire country and we're black lightning previously. And some of them are doing something different and having good lives in their new career path. Yeah. But um, I'm hoping it'll survive whatever purge is coming at the end of the year from CW. Cause they've said, yeah, we might pick up a couple of shows from the current schedule. It's like, yeah, well, I mean, it's got three things. It's got to pass three tests. It's got to pass the CW test and get renewed by the CW. It's got to pass the Warner Brothers Discovery test, and they might just decide it's too much money, we're going to cancel it. And it's got to pass the James Gunn test of now that he's in charge and he wants to do an integrated universe, will he just say, like, the show is ending? So there's three different you know tests that they've got to pass. And I'm still thinking, though, he won't interfere with anything for the next TV season because his stuff still won't be out by then i would think right. so i movies would hope he, that he wouldn't interfere with that um, movies he greenlights next year the earliest they'll appear is sometime in 24 so right. it'd be foolish to cripple yeah. a tv show <laughs> on hbo max or the cw because of that otherwise right. you're gonna well, have, like no live action dc stuff at all but we know because the president of cw the old president of cw said that he wanted to renew batwoman and legends and it was mm -hmm. actually the studio that canceled those you know that yeah. they said we don't want to spend the money on these shows and so we know that warner brothers discovery is killing its own stuff so right. that's, that's... Bad girl come on <laughs> which probably yeah. you know Bre brendan fraser is probably gonna get nominated for the whale and will that make a difference to them? No, they're, they're making all kinds of weird, arbitrary decisions. Yeah. Oh, Westworld's canceled on HBO. Let's pull it off HBO Max and put it somewhere else. No. So um, for my shout outs, I do want to put a word in there for Sliders. I know that Tom mentioned it. <laughs> Sliders is the quintessential multiverse show. I don't think that yeah. any show did the multiverse uh, before Sliders. Uh, it has John Rhys Davies in the three seasons. Those are the ones to watch. You don't yeah. have to watch seasons four and five because <laughs> they don't have John Rhys Davies. Um, <laughs> but he is amazing. He is amazing at everything that he does. And so you should he's watch back him. He's in Indiana Jones 5 too, right? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. In fact, he narrates the beginning of it. Like he's the one talking in the beginning. And I was like... <gasps> Charles Davis, I was the so dial of destiny. Yeah, what? dial D for destiny is what I'm calling it. <laughs> Spear of I, destiny, yes. Dial of destiny, just, not bad. Just because it has a bad title doesn't mean it's going to be a bad movie. I'm hoping it's mm -hmm. like the opposite of a good title and a bad movie. It's just well, the fact that we've got title. a new director. I'm hoping against hope. It's <laughs> but uh but yeah no i did i did want to mention sliders um and i did want to mention um robert jordan's wheel of time uh because uh very rarely in fantasy do you see the multiverse uses generally a sci-fi concept are we, are we gonna get to wheel of time or our alternate universes in uh the show eventually i'm sorry what are we gonna get to alternate universes in the wheel of time show maybe I don't know what the show is doing. I, I haven't even watched the season they put out yet. Um, oh, you haven't seen it yet? No, no, no. I'm trying to catch my wife up on the books beforehand. Okay. So, and then we're going to watch it together. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like it's a fantasy series that uses alternate universes, which was really fascinating to me when I first read it when I was a teenager. 
um because you know i'd never seen like in fantasy before i was like whoa they do they're doing parallel universes in fantasy and that's really neat and there's sort of this concept though of it is a prime universe idea and like the further you go from the prime universe the more distorted the realities get in either time or space so like huh. because they're less real basically and so it's like you can you can visit these other realities but like you might take a step and go miles or it might be you're in that reality for what feels to you to be like seconds but you return and it's hours or vice versa it might feel like hours and you return and it's seconds because like as you get further away they become more distorted and i was like that's really cool though to deal with that in in a fantasy setting and like just the idea of alternate realities and especially when they have this idea of there being like like time is part of this tapestry um, you know, the the wheel of time weaves, you know, the this tapestry, but to have the idea also that, you know, fate isn't necessarily fixed because there are these other versions also. And so like I really liked I really liked that idea and I like the fact that they they did that in that. So there are many, many reasons to read the wheel of time, and that is just one of those. But uh yeah. <laughs> cool. But um all right. Uh, yeah, but yeah, thank you guys for um, you know, talking about the multiverse uh, for so long. Like I said, I want to do one of these on time travel, also, which I think we're gonna find a lot more examples of things to talk about. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, just say your goodbyes and let people know where they can find you. Uh, so Tom, why don't you start us off? You can find me on Twitter at blurredphd, also on Instagram and Facebook the same way. And I host the Screen Tom podcast, uh, Screen Tom, T-H-O-M, on uh, iTunes and Anchor. All right, Stephen? Um, no, thanks for having me. And and uh, I have to apologize because there's another universe where I wasn't able to make it. So um, <laughs> but, uh, you can find me at uh, on Instagram at Mallets Before Thought. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, I have a Facebook page of Stephen Pickering Performances. Um, if you're in the Elmhurst, Illinois area in end of February, I will be doing uh, a Scooby-Doo parody called That's the Way the Cookie Murders, where I'll play Don Knotts on stage, which will be very exciting. <laughs> uh, and uh, and in an upcoming film, The Grey Girl, whenever it's finished, and I will hopefully let people know where they will catch that when it's done. It's Ron Rocks. <laughs> they might use that line in the show. Actually. I can't. I can't give away anything. I, I, I told you before the the ver the Scooby Doo series where they had guest stars every episode is my favorite Scooby Doo. Where it was like Phyllis <laughs> Dillard and like yeah. Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin was always my favorite. Yeah, yes. I love like Harlem, Harlem Globetrotters. Globetrotters. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Although the Adams Family available episode is the one episode for some reason there's weir a weird rights thing. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. The almost complete new Scooby Doo movies on iTunes. But yeah, before Marvel had their cinematic universe, there was the Scooby Doo. <laughs> Scooby Doo. There we go. <laughs> what row? Where the weirdest things all happen to exist in the same universe <laughs> with each other. With celebrities. <laughs> but yeah, Ellie, say goodbye. Let people know where they can find you. Uh, thanks for having me on to talk about the multiverse. This was fun. Uh, if you want to find me places, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as self-winding. Uh, and if you're interested in getting those writing prompts or reading what I'm writing, uh, patreon.com slash Allie Martin, A-L-L-I-M-A-R-T-I-N. Uh, also my website, AllieMartin.com. Uh, writing and editing. Those are the things that I do. 
All right. Well, Tom, Stephen, and Allie, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us, Nathan. And that's it for our first class on multiversity. So what did you think of the episode? Do you like it when we do topics like this? Why do you think the multiverse has just taken off lately? You can let us know in a bunch of different ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our website, which is 42cast.com. You can also go to our Facebook, which is facebook.com slash 42cast. You can also go on Instagram or Twitter at 42cast. You can find us there, talk to us there. You can also give us reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. With Apple, the more reviews that we get, the more we will show up in searches. So we would definitely appreciate if you have an Apple account, if you take the time to give us a review. I also want to let you know about the ESO Network Patreon. That's a way that you can help all the shows on the network. There's various tiers that you can review by going to patreon.com slash ESO Network. You can look at the various perks. And if you have the money to contribute, we would definitely appreciate it. You can find me on two other podcasts. One is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. The other is Legendary Forces, where Juliet and I again, but also joined by Joe, Ashley, and Corey are going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. The two podcasts are different. Time Streams is more of just a review of a story. We'll talk about all the important things that happen in the story, so... It's not even necessary for the people listening to it to have watched the episode we're talking about because we tell you all the important things in the episode. You definitely get more out of it if you do follow along with us, but you don't have to. With Legendary Forces, yeah, we talk about the quality of the media, but we don't really give you a play-by-play, so if you haven't read or watched the story we're talking about, you won't necessarily understand what we're talking about but also we talk about the evolving notion of what star wars is how the different media sort of change perceptions of star wars and how every time a movie comes out things change in the storytelling to take in the new information that comes in from the movie and so we have discussions about canon continuity that kind of stuff so if that sounds interesting to you the doctor who one is time streams and the star wars one is legendary forces Once again, I have no more to report on stuff that I'm watching or on cons and such. I'm recording several of these outros back-to-back, so there's nothing new there. But keep watching this space. All right, well, that's it for this week. Join us back next week when I talk to the members of the Odyssey Now Project, a university-led initiative that is going back to not only research the very first video game console, but also sort of push the boundaries of what it was capable of and create new content for it. So it's a very interesting discussion. I had a lot of fun talking with those guys. So definitely look out for next episode and come back again when we do our normal sort of TV movie reviews and all that kind of stuff. So until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42Cast, copyright 2021. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network.
This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping at the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.